Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Dre from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse, and if you can hear my voice a little bit of a cold, I apologize, but I've been feeling awful the last couple of days, but we will power on through as we reveal part two of our hosted episode with Mr. Rivet Ricky which is his name on the tweets, but Mr. Ricky Thammon. Um, it's part two of our hosted episode that we did around about ten days ago, something like that, um, where we talk about a whole host of things. And as usual, with me and Ricky getting together, as we talked that long that we had to put it in two parts, because what was originally scheduled to be about an hour, just over an hour, turned into about just under three. Um, so... Um, hopefully you've listened to part one uh, If you haven't, then you're a foolish person uh, So I encourage you to listen to the previous episode Because um, the continuation of this Is we're in the process of talking about Kenneth Williams Which leads to talk about Michael Sheen And the great uh, adaptation he did of the BBC 4 Which where he played Kenneth Williams And it led to a discussion about how awesome Michael Sheen is And like the debate about his film career basically Because I think he's one of the best underrated actors on the planet um, it ended up talking about that led to Django Unchained at some point. Then we talked about um, Will Smith because he was up for playing Django. We talked a little bit about Will Smith's career, and then that leads to us talking about people who should win Oscar, should have won Oscars but didn't because I think he should have won for Pursuit of Happiness. Um, so we have a long conversation about that. So it's very sort of film heavy. Um, obviously, little bits of, of tangent stuff in between. Um, and then um, we finally talk about pets and how they help with mental health and with young children. And I talk about uh, to tell a story about my nephew. And Ricky talks about his nephew, new nephews has been born. It's. I hope this episode's a really good reminder of how like fun this podcast can be and how random it is because i think that's the best conversations i mean this is a very much a mirror image of what i'm like with my friends uh, in a cafeteria somewhere so i hope that comes across when you're listening to it and um, the reason for this slight delay putting this episode up is hannah who is on uh, mentally sounds august show uh, i asked her to be on to do a long form obviously of this uh, but unfortunately she's uh, had to cancel because she's in the process of packing for to go to Denmark uh, for a PhD, so um, she uh, cancelled sort of last minute. Hopefully, she's going to be on in a few weeks. Um, I'm planning on trying to get someone uh, called Emma Kenny, who's been on Mentally Sound before, who's on TV. She's some sort of sort of psychologist, psychiatrist. So I've always wanted to have a psychiatrist on the show and talk long form. So hopefully that will happen. And I've just been speaking to the Engage podcast guys because Star Trek Discovery came out on Monday on Netflix. Still haven't had a chance to see it as of this recording. Um, but um, I'm going to watch it and then hopefully have them guys on to debate what we thought of the new episode. So that pretty much covers it hope you enjoyed this episode please do subscribe to us on itunes if you like and i am at geek underscore apocalypse on twitter and uh hopefully you'll see us very soon for another edition very very quickly in the non-traditional future but here is uh, part two of our host episode with ricky enjoy one take Booyah. Have you ever seen um, 
Speaking of Kenneth Williams, have you seen um, there's a television or like a film series done by the BBC? Uh, sorry, a film by the BBC with Michael Sheen doing Kenneth Williams. Um, uh, and apparently, yeah. it's like Michael Sheen has said in various interviews, it's the best acting he's ever done. And like he jokingly says that like not very many people have seen it because it was a BBC film production. But apparently, like he does a really, really good job of being Kenneth Williams. Was it? Was it the Round the Horn? Um, the reenactment. Round the Horn was another radio, um, BBC radio kind of. Um, it was a comedy show, mm-hmm. um, and Kenneth Williams was a regular. And the, the, for the anniversary, I think the BBC did a, like a, a reenactment production. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember if Michael Sheen played him. On I'll that. figure. I'll figure it off. A fantabuloso. That was what it was called. Um. Yeah, it's called Kenneth Williams Fantabuloso, and it was on, it was 2006, and it was on BBC4, and Michael Sheen plays Kenneth Williams, and apparently, like, it's ridiculously good, and it, it, uh, it averaged 1 million viewers on BBC4, which is pretty good, right. which is ridiculously good for a chat for BBC4. Um, yeah, apparently, like, it's really, really good. I, I wanted to track it down, because it's like, as I said, it was, it was not, uh, 2006 now, so it's getting on an age, but. Is there anyone that Michael Sheen can't do? Because I think he's he's phenomenal. Yeah, I know. He's he's someone I always say, like, because not very many people, like... It's weird because he's been in, like, so many amazingly good things. But, like, if you said... It's funny because I brought him up the other day to my friend Nicola and her husband. And I went, you know, I've been watching some Michael Sheen interviews. Not only is he, like, very, very nice. And he comes across as, like, very humble and stuff. But if you list, in the, list a bunch of things he's been in... Like he's for di- he's ridiculously good, like, and, and he's he just won an Emmy. He just won an Emmy, didn't he? Them. He's Sorry? also hosted. Have I got news for you? Oh, has he? Sometimes I think, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, I'd have to watch but that I mean, then because I haven't seen him know, do the it. Damned United, where he plays uh, Brian. Yeah. Ah, oh. I know. Like, I mean, although apparently it's not that accurate. Um, the 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 oh, book's no, no, not. I've got the book. The book isn't accurate, and, and I think everyone knows that, and even the author knows that. He, he said he, the author t- talks as if it was like. As if that Matter of fact, happened. yeah. When he was at Leeds United, it was filtered through his brain, so he was mm-hmm. kind of like making up. Yeah. But I mean, what a performance, though. I mean, even even the players are in that era. They say when they watch it and they close their eyes. There's a. Did you ever see? Because um, for those that were what we're talking about, there's a the, the again just I'm being, I'm being like the sort of newscaster or something. Like, I feel like Larry King at this present time. Well, what uh, my guest is talking about today is <laughs> is um. Uh, the Damned United was a thing that he did about Brian Clough, and for those that don't know who Brian Clough is, he's he's regarded as like the best England football manager that that they've never had. In that he was famously offered the England manager's job in the late seventies, early eighties, I think, and he um he got turned down. Um, and apparently, like, if you uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because. If you watch that documentary, which is called Brian Clough, the best England manager that we never had, um, in that, which is probably what you're referring to, Ricky, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of interviews of like even Leeds players when he famously took over Leeds, because that's what the book's about, him taking over Leeds from Don Revy. Um, even they say, like, God, I like closed my eyes, and it was like I was listening to Brian yeah. um, watching the film, and they were like, so in that sense, they said he'd done a fantastic job. Um, there's one bit right and I swear to god like it sounds like it's dubbed over um, and I employ people if they're interested in what we're talking about now right there's a scene and I don't know if you remember this in the Damn United but I hope you, you might do do you remember the bit where uh, the guys are coming in on the pitch in the stadium 
and you hear Michael Sheen as Brian Clough going, get in there, that's what I pay you for, and he kicks the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, like, that whole section of the bit where he goes, you want, you want bloody shooting, like, you know, um, get in there, that's what I pay you for. Like, yeah. if there's, that is actually, like, a complete transcript of an actual film session of him doing a session yeah. at Leeds. And honestly, okay. if you watch that in the documentary and watch the film, it is literally like a carbon copy. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, I'm like, I've never seen such a fantastic impression. Yeah. Like, and as you said, he's so good. I mean, he's he, he's impression of Tony Blair is pretty ridiculous as well. Um, he did, uh, so he did, um, thingy very well. The interview when he interviewed um, Nixon. Yes, Frost Nixon. Yeah. Yeah, David Frost. He did him very well. Yeah. There. Oh, he's he's so good. Like, and I mean, like, he deserves all his credit. But as I said, you know, like my one of my closest friends, uh, Nicola, and her husband. We were, I was saying, oh God, Michael Sheen. Like, I have to say, he's he might be. In terms of people, I think the only person who, and apparently I think he's fans, he's a fan of this guy, and I know we've talked, me and you've talked about this guy privately, um, I think the only person in terms of pure acting ability is Gary Oldman. Like, that's the only person I would probably say yeah. has a shout, or maybe Daniel Day-Lewis, but I know he doesn't do that many films, but still. Just method acting, like, it's just, he, I think he's just really good. You mean their ability to put, portray other people? The, like yeah, the ability to, like, pl- yeah, play other people. Um, yeah. It's not like they're doing fictional things. They're actually doing like... Because apparently like Gary Oldman doing... Because uh, he just got nominated for an Oscar for Churchill. Okay. I mean, yeah, I saw the trailer for that when I went to see Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, have you... Have, by the way, just because I know we talked about last... Did we talk about last time you were on here? Um, or maybe I texted you about it. Um, have you seen Dunkirk yet? I've not seen it yet, no. Uh, I, I really recommend it. A friend of mine, but she had a she had a uh, bike accident, so it kind of got. Uh, that, oh, that's not fun. Then. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but uh, um, it's really good. It will it will make you it, it really makes you think. I've been recommended by a few people. Yeah, and um, but anyway, like so, just to finish my thought about Michael Sheen is that so as I said, I was talking to my friends about Michael Sheen, and I don't. I'm, I'd be interested to know if anyone who's listening to this if they want to make any comments about this because like you mentioned Michael Sheen, and a lot of people go, "Who's that again?" Because he's been in so many, but maybe that's maybe that's a, um, a compliment because he's been in that many things. He can't name one good thing because he's been in a lot of good things. I don't think it's a case of like he sucks. It, but like my point is like I don't know. What would you like? Okay, well, I'll ask you directly then, just because it'll fun little game. Like if I said Michael Sheen, what comes to mind? Do you think Damn United or do you think of something else? Damn United. Yeah, I think it's up there for me. Damn United. Um, actually, the first thing I remember him in. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's really good. He was in Wild with um, Stephen Fry. He played um, Oscar. Fry, yeah. yeah, it was one of the first things he did. He played um, Oscar Wilde's love interest. You know the person he ended up having an affair with, and he was super, super young. Jude, Jude Law in that one as well, I think. Uh, I don't quite remember, but um, I don't. Th- yeah, but they were all. They were, if he was, he would have been super young. But um, but no, like because uh, Stephen Fry did a really good job with that. And um, because there's a there's a funny interview he did with Craig Ferguson, uh, Michael Sheen, where he goes, he goes, like, because he there's a because he's uh, starring at the minute in Masters of Sex, which I hadn't seen, but apparently it's, he's just got a Golden Globe nomination. Yeah. And apparently, like, he's naked in it a lot. <laughs> and so Craig Ferguson went like when he was promoting it, he goes like, "Have you ever thought about doing like a gay scene?" And he goes, uh, "Craig, Craig." I have done a gay scene. <laughs> and he goes, really? What? And he went, oh, I went on Wild. I was in Wilder with, um, uh, with, uh, Stephen Fry. And he was like, oh, yes, of course. Like, um, 
uh, seasons seem to mind. Uh, I, I like actors who are like that. I know I've said this on this podcast before, and it makes me sound a little perverted, but I, I just think I love how in films, right? Like, like we just mentioned Dunkirk. You know, finish my thought, and I can respond. Is just to say. Like Dunkirk, the thing that Christopher Nolan achieves in that, which is remarkable, is you really feel like you're there, because he breaks a lot of conventions in films. Like, there's no film credits, which I pointed out to the people I went to see afterwards, and they went, oh yeah, there's no film credits. It doesn't say, like, star and star and such and such, it just says Dunkirk, and then it goes straight into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, literally, you hear the guns and the planes, and the plane sequences are just phenomenal. And so my point is, it makes you go right, right into it, right? But imagine all that in that film. And imagine if there was a sex scene in that. And if, like, there's actor or actresses were like, we'll not do it, we'll not make it realistic. It's like, I, I just, I get very frustrated with, like, the Hollywood approach to, like, we'll, we'll deal with a person's head being blown off. And, like, watching Game of Thrones where you see a person's, um, you know, arm being chopped off or whatever it is. Like, all these, like, special effects. And yet, when it comes, oh, I guess maybe Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones maybe is a bad example because they are quite sexually perverse. But like, just in films, as in film stuff where you get actors and actresses who get body doubles and like they're all like really, really um, against the 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 sort of the intimate part of a of a of a role. And I'm just like, because I don't know if you've heard this. Like, this is I'm I'm referring to this because of the recent article I read. Did you hear about um um Oh God, why am I blanking on her name? The, the, she's really good. Dawn, is it Dawn? Uh, Judy Dench, sorry. Judy Dench. Yeah. Um, there was an article of hers recently where she talked about still having sex in her 80s or however old she is, and just people would be like, you can't have sex at that age, and I don't know, we just live in such a weird taboo, <laughs> taboo world. <laughs> where it's just like, you know, we're still in an age where it's like, you can't, like, you can't do this, you can't do that, and like, I don't know, I just, I appreciate, I appreciate actors. My point is, I'm roundabout way of me saying this. I like the fact when an actor goes, I've got no problem with doing that. Cause I'm like, you know, they get all the privileges of being an actor, but when they'd have to do something that may be a bit embarrassing or something, they get someone else to do it. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's not a cop out. I'm a bit, um, careful about saying something that isn't true, but I mean, well, I'm, I'm referring back to Howard Stern. Do you remember the, <clears throat> with Eric Lynch, aka Eric the Midget, when you know when they try to get him film parts, yes, and like trying to you know talk about method acting and that sort of thing. And um, when when they were having that conversation, Will Smith got brought up, and mm-hmm. the reason was is apparently, and I don't know if this is true, but has he got like some sort of stipulation in his contract where he refuses to play a gay guy, where because because you know he doesn't want to be. Portrayed, he doesn't want to portray it, or he doesn't want to like be in the scene with another guy or something. I've generally not heard that, but I've researched would be... it. But it, it was mentioned in that conversation that that's something that Mills. Yeah. I think um, I might be wrong in saying this as well, but maybe was he was he not ever considered to be an "I Love You" Philip Morris, or was that not? No, that wouldn't have made sense because there wasn't a black guy in that. Um, like as in they weren't uh, the lawyer or that Philip Morris wasn't black so maybe that wouldn't have made sense but i do know um i do know he turned down he's he, he turns down a lot of things for for various reasons like i know he did you know he was the first choice for django unchained i, I did not know that um and apparently he turned it down because of the violence um is he met because tarantino oh, oh yeah yeah i remember the, i remember the few row about it because wasn't it also oh because um because also um 
Spike Lee, um, he, I don't know if there was like a campaign for, for having Stop it that. released, but Stop. the amount of, um, the amount of N-words it was featured in the film that I know... Sorry, I was just showing my dog there for those that was... Sorry, go on. <laughs> the, the amount of times the N-word got mentioned, I know a lot of yes. people found that... Which, which is complete bollocks, because it was mentioned a fair amount of times. Mm. And I know people say that he thinks it's a cop-out, but he's not wrong when he says it was a, it was as used as any other word at the time. And I just hate the fact that people say they don't make it authentic. That's another example of where I get pissed off with American sensitivity. Cause they just don't wanna, like, they don't, they don't sort of, um, embrace their, their past. And obviously that's a bad word and we should never say it. But did Will Smith refuse it on grounds of that? Or it why? possibly was a, it, I, it, I imagine it might have been a combination, but, um, he, he just, Jamie Fox was great. Oh, no, it makes you think. I know. Well, it, you hear you hear of how some people are like sort of were were thought about as being in um, like certain parts, like they were first choice for roles, and then you like see it with the person who ends up getting it, and you can't see anybody else doing the role. If you see what I mean, like you know. So for that, um, Jamie Fox was just like perfect for that role, um, and I just think if you think of Will Smith doing that. Um, to me, that just doesn't make any sense. Um, so, uh, to, to 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 give him credit, he was right to turn down Independence Day. Yeah, I think. Yeah, for um, Suicide Squad. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good choice. Um, yeah. I haven't seen Independence Day two yet, but I've, everyone I've have, have everyone who's seen it said it's almost as bad as Zoolander two. Okay. Um, which is which in my friendship circle is the go to worst film of the last ten years. Like okay. apparently Zoolander two is like awful. I haven't, um, I haven't uh, bared uh, watching it because I haven't seen. I haven't met one person who thought it was a good idea. <laughs> it's the same with like, um, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like I think I may have said this before on this podcast, but like, um, Dumb and Dumber, like the the reason that they didn't do a second one is because they wanted to have a script that really made sense and was brilliant and funny. And then although, although it made like a fair, fairly good amount of money, the last Dumb and Dumber, it's supposed to be terrible. Mm. Um, and it's just like you what's wait, you wait like fifteen years or twenty years to for a script, and then it's fucking awful. What did you make of um, Will Smith in Ali? I thought he was. I thought he did a really good job. Well, I I, I agree, I, but what I'm what I what I would say is that because Muhammad Ali is so, I mean, he's a he's a hero of mine because he was so unique. I don't think anybody could have played them as, as that well. And I, I, think, I, think, I think we'll give it a great go. Yes, I actually agree with you on that. That's exactly how I would describe it. Um, it's like Elvis or, or anyone else. Just I, I, I can't think of anyone who... There's been a few Elvis well, films. I don't, think I don't know if you know this, but Ali actually had um, a say in that, um, my, in that Ali had to approve of whoever they picked. Mm-hmm. And apparently he actually asked... For Will to do it, yeah. um, and um, I think Will wasn't sure, wasn't he? And then Ali yes. kind of is convinced. Him. Yes, convinced him and met with him and said, "I'd like but you to do it." Will, he, 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 he sort of built himself up, you know. He, he looked the part. Yes, oh, he tried it really seriously, and I thought he did a fairly good impression of him and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's funny because I've seen him talk about. Um, I think it was on Jonathan Ross. A while ago, it's one of the, one of one of like Jonathan Ross's best interviews, I think, which is not hard because like Will Smith's like the one of the 
greatest people to interview. He's like super nice and and up for anything kind of person. But um, it was when he did his old show on BBC, and um, it's a really good, insightful in- interview because he talks about the Oscar stuff because yeah. he got nominated for Ali, um, and he went. He didn't think he would win, um. Because I think it went, was it that year it went to, no, no, maybe it was the one after you think now. Because he said a very, very interesting thing that I thought, oh, that's good to know. And it's interesting to listen to. Because he went, he didn't think he was going to win it for Ali. Because I think all well, the other films that were out that year and he didn't think he was ready. And he thinks there's a certain time in an actor's career when they're bound, they're, like, they're, they're going to be at their like sort of acting peak. And also depending on what type of film that they get and whatever, because you know, it, 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 let's be honest, there has to be a certain type of film for them to be considered as an Oscar. You know, you're not going to win. Comedies don't get Oscars, um, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, it has to be like a sort of serious drama most of the time. So um, he said, but he said when I did Pursuit of Happiness, um, he said during that whole process he was like thinking if I'm ever going to win an Oscar it'll be for that, and he didn't get nominated, and he's like, and then I still didn't win. <laughs> And I was like, when I watched that, I was going, um, that's that's a really, really good uh, good film, and it's really powerful, and he does a really good job. I mean, it helps that the guy opposite him, his son's played by his real-life son, so I imagine that would have made the emotional scenes easier. Um, yeah. But um, So I think it was sort of semi-cheating there. <laughs> but um, but no, in fact, it's made, it's made is it, I think the guy's name's Chris Miller. It's actually based on a real-life guy who ended up becoming a multi-millionaire, and it was his sort of struggle to find happiness and that he lived homeless to get his ultimate job of being a sales guy. And yeah. uh, and uh, it's really, really good. And Because uh, the, the, the guy who he walks past at the end of that film, if you haven't seen it, is Chris Miller. I don't, it's Chris something. I don't know if I've got his second name right, but um, he actually walks past yeah. and the guy says hello to him on the street and it actually is the real guy. It's like his cameo he did in it. But um, I thought he deserved awards for that film that was really good yeah. um it's funny like because i was talking about oscars i remember once because i thought i should be more into my trivia but i've got such a terrible memory is i did the whole trivia game of name the best picture oscar and you might go on like the oscar website and you can have a you find a list of who won at what year and you guess yeah. and you, i got some of them right but there was one particular year and i don't know if you've seen this film but it's I thought it was an absolute crime that she didn't she didn't win. Um, even though some people think it's not the best of films, but just her portrayal is just ridiculous. There's actually there's a couple, so I'll name a couple and then you can answer it if you want, like in your opinion about yours. Um, but okay. the two that the two that comes to mind, right? Who I think it's a well, actually, just before I get onto this, there's a really quick thing of Gary Oldman not having an Oscar is the biggest crime in the history of <laughs> if we're gonna like make Oscars relevant and important, like Gary Oldman needs to have an oscar at some point so i hope he wins for churchill because otherwise he'll be on he'll be on par with the greatest actor they never win um but anyway so the sort of stick with my point is that uh the first time i actually cared about an oscar is where i thought i hope she wins because she should was diane lane and unfaithful um all right well it's a sort of um I guess you could say, well, is it sort of a sex thriller, I guess? But it's a, it's about cheating on a, it's a cheating film in that she plays uh, Richard Gere's wife and she meets a guy, a French guy played by Oliver Martinez, who he's, for those who, he's probably more claimed to fame for he went out with Kylie Minogue for a long time. 
um, and he, he he sells books, and so he buys she buys some books off him, and then she starts like this sordid affair uh, behind her husband's back, mm-hmm. and that sounds very trivial and very like well well Stephen come on like you know how many how many films have been about that, but Diane Lane makes the film because her like painful back and forth because it keeps cutting to her being in the guy's apartment doing like you know doing all these seedy things uh and then going back to her regular life and just the pain of knowing that what she does and trying to lead the regular life again and there's this like one of the best scenes in it but it's so awkward is she's in a bath um you know just cleaning herself and richard gear comes in and says he got room for one more and he comes he goes into the bath and she's like all awkward, like as if it's, it's like as she doesn't know him. And he tries to like sort of move in on his wife, and she kind of goes, "I'm feeling really cold." And she like awkwardly gets out of the bath, and he kind of then knows that something's not right. And it's so brilliantly acted. And and then there's a bit where she tries to leave, and although it's like obviously like quite a, a sexy scene, and it's it's up it's always on the list of like the most passionate sex scenes because. But it has a really good point to it. Is there's a bit where she tells him to like go fuck off and she's like trying to end it and you can tell she's like ambivalent about it but she knows it's ruined on her life. And she runs out of the apartment that he's in and they end up like having sex on the staircase as she's trying to leave. Um, because she kind of wants to do it but she doesn't want to do it and like it has a, it's a really good portrayal. I'm assuming I've never cheated on anybody but if you're that serious about it. That I guess it to me it really portrayed like the agony it must be of like knowing you're doing something wrong, but not wanting to stop. And I guess I understand that from someone who has an addictive personality. I just thought she portrayed it unbelievably well. Like well, um, anyway. If also, if I ask you a question, what what that film reminds me of? Go on. Like when you think about affairs, what what film do you think of? Of affairs. Another great film. I'm sure you're asking me this like there's an obvious one. Uh, I'm sure there is. Um, no, it's just I think it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different sides to it. Like there's a mental health side to it. There's, there's the issue of cheating and. Did you say? Are, are you trying to get me to guess, or did you say the film? Sorry, I didn't. Well, you can, does, does one spring to mind? Or? Uh, was Pretty Woman about cheating? It wasn't, was it? It was uh, just about him sleeping with a prostitute, wasn't it? Basically, I don't think he was married, was he? In that. Uh, From what I remember, no. Oh, was it cheating? Uh, I'm sure there's like an obvious one. I'm trying to think. Uh, did it win like an Oscar or anything? That's usually yeah, <laughs> like I, I just I mentioned. Think, I think I think two 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 people in that film deserved an Oscar. Hang on, I'm going to check if, if if it did win anything because. Well, why do that? Like, I mean, I'll remember this for the. Um, I remember this for the edit. But um, because we we'll wrap it up in a bit in a second. But um, I need to list as like walking around. So I think you need the toilet. Um, so I'll just literally be two minutes. Um, okay. so as you're doing that, we know when to cut back to it. So I'll just pop yeah. back in a sec. Right, two secs. Yeah, he needed. He's like desperate for a wee. <laughs> he like ran out and was like, oh god. <laughs> oh bless him. I was gonna say when I remember, I'll show you. I'll show. I'll let you see him before we leave. Uh, finish. But um, because he's uh, food time's about half nine, so that's. I think that's a good point to end. Um, yeah. but anywho, um, I did think of a film. 
Um, so we'll just I'll just mention for the podcast. I might not use this, but I'll just say we did take a quick pause because my dog needed the toilet. Um, so he's desperate for the loo because he was walking around like a maniac in my bedroom. So, um, I did think of a film while we we paused during this because Ricky said what film? There was a film, but I don't. I'm assuming it's cheating wise because of the title. Are you were you meant Fatal Attraction? Yes. Ah. I can't. I'm so happy <laughs> that I got that. I, I'm getting points back because you were way ahead of me <laughs> in terms of geek points. Ricky was well ahead, but but who was in that again? Was it um, Michelle Fight? No, Michelle Fight. Michael Douglas. Michael uh, Douglas. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Close. Glenn Close. That's it. I knew yeah. I, I knew I should have known that. Uh, Michael Douglas was in that as well. So it was all because he was he, he was all he was all about the sex, was he? Him and Basic Instinct. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Was that kind of meant to be the same thing? I guess it's probably on the back of that. I know it was like years later, but well, he, yeah, claimed as an addiction, didn't he? Yeah. But I no, I just think I just think it's a great film, and um, you're right. I, I've not seen that in a very very long time, but uh, they were particularly great at it. They they got nominated. It got a nominated for Academy Awards. Yes. Um, well, that's how. That's to be honest. That's the only reason why I remembered it because I'm going really good films and you know why i know why it came to my mind i'll just mention the context i've went through this period of time right and you'll appreciate this being that you're slightly older than me is um i mean because although me and you talk about the same eras often um i renewed my netflix membership um the other day and so i thought right what am i going to do to pass the time um especially that my laptop's been repaired which I've, i've i've talked about already um is um uh, there's a section on Netflix which says films of the 90s so you can type in like 90s films and it comes up a um, a whole section and their Fatal Attractions post I was on that when I was looking at it earlier so that's why my brain just went Fatal Attraction because it's like most of the time on Netflix it's going to be films that are really good so um, so that's how I remembered So I'm get, my guess is it was around 98 is going to be my guess in terms of what year it was I think 98-ish might be wrong. Whenever it comes on, I always, I'm always like glued to it because I think it's just great. I might watch it. it now that you've said it. I might watch it and get back to you because <laughs> I don't remember it that well at all. But, uh, um. Just very intense mention about and you know the was it Diane Lane you said? Uh, yes. The, She's just ridiculously you know, good, isn't it? There's something gone. It's like when Michael Douglas, he knows he's had this. And he's incredibly guilty about it and four rings he's always like oh shit is it, is it her is it her because you know she 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 apparently i think suffers from borderline personality disorder which is why like she like you know stalks him and you know wants him and um but no it was just brilliantly done i think there was some controversy about how glenn close's character was portrayed like was it fair you know this whole thing about you know did that make people who are mentally ill as, as monstrous as what she was and she she was typecasted for a while. She, mm-hmm. I remember seeing in an interview with it. Afterwards, she got she she people just went up to her, you know, thinking that she's a classic bunny boiler sort of type of. Uh, Who Glenn Close? You don't know here. Yeah, because she yeah. she famously in a scene uh, um killed or tried tried to kill um, the pet rabbit, which was my daughter's daughter. So what I what I did watch a couple of weeks ago that Glenn Close was in, and I think she's good in it, is uh, Air Force One, uh, which is a uh, the thing about Harrison Ford plays the pres a president like a fate. Uh, uh, Does she maid. play his wife in that? No, she plays the vice president, not not his wife. 
because um, the first lady's on the plane, like him That's and his. Another Gary Oldman film, isn't it? Yes, because he plays um, the Russian uh, terrorist who takes over. I don't, I don't know if he's Russian, but he's because he, it's all about them getting getting like this general who's stuck in prison, who's getting executed, and they're like, if you don't release them, we'll kill everyone on this plane. And um, and she plays the vice president who gets like um, there's loads of people in the Senate in the White House because she becomes the acting president because supposedly the rule is if the president is incapacitated or they don't know where he is because they think he's dead that she becomes the acting president and so they're all like you should um i I think she's like you should consider him dead and sign this paper to say that you're and she won't do it and um they also say like you should just shoot the plane down and all this kind of stuff because it's a typical like american thing where there's always like an evil person in government who's like you should just like just bomb everything (laughs) and she's like no i don't want to do it um, but she does a really, really good job for how limited her role it is. But that's the only thing I ever remember, and that's my point: is that are they the only two films I could name that she was ever in? But, yeah. but anyway, but anyway, no, it's a good, good, good. Um, I would say that was a good comparison, though. I'd, I'd probably say it's weird, right? What I would say then, I imagine Fatal Attraction. I'd say probably Fatal Attraction is a better film overall because Unfaithful has problems in it. But I just think, as I said, Diane Lane for that year. It's one of the best performances I've seen for that type of film in that she's just like... Because I guess my point is, and I think this is the biggest compliment I can give her, it's an average film if she doesn't perform that well. Yeah. Like, it's just any other film. But she's so good in it. that um, And I think she's good in a lot of things. I mean, um, I, I really th- I really think she's a talented actress. Um, but... Um, she also... But, uh, yeah, Glenn also does uh, a lot of mental health um, awareness. All right, I did not know that. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. She probably did get typecast for that because um, I don't really remember how much else of she was in much else really. Um, but yeah, sort of nineties stuff. There's a lot of kids' films like she was famously Cruella Deville in 101 Dalmatians and all that. Stuff. Oh yes, I forgot. Yeah, I was sitting. I, you know, thank you for doing that because I was sitting there racking my brain going, she was known for the, she was she had a more famous role than all these, didn't she? Yeah, she was in 101 Dalmatians, of course. Um, but um. The other, like, sort of continue this who should win an Oscar thing. The other thing is, and I can't, I, I, I swear to God, before this film came out, I thought this particular actress didn't have a hope in hell of winning an Oscar in her career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw this particular film, which I knew was serious, and it was by a well-known director, and I thought, um, I, I, I remember seeing the trailer for it for another, from another film, and I went, that looks really interesting. So I went to see it in the pictures, and this is a long, long time ago, and I've got it on DVD, and I keep meaning to rewatch it, because it's really good. Um, Changeling, and I'm referring to Angelina Jolie, in that she's one of these people where I'm like, she's gonna be ridiculously well known and the most famous actress probably ever, and yet, I've not really seen her in anything that you can constitute acting. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it's a lot of like, you know, when you see her in Tomb Raider, you just go, really? Um, yeah. But um, honestly, have you seen Changeling? No, I haven't. Uh, it's Clint Eastwood. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll let you borrow the DVD if you want, because it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, it's about, it's, a, it's really complicated, because um, it has loads of turns in it, but typical Clint Eastwood for those that have any seen any Clint Eastwood stuff in terms of a director he often does especially recently true stories of things and um, because he did um I saw um uh, Sully 
I saw Sully not too long ago, yeah. which was brilliant, which was about the Hudson River uh, saviour thing, which was really well done. Because I read a lot. Um, sorry, sorry, I just not knocked my mic over. Sorry. Um, I had a. Um, I read a lot about that while it happened and how much Captain Sullinger got like a huge amount of stick from like. Like, there's loads of these investigations where they were like, did he do enough? And I'm like, he saved everyone on the plane and managed to ditch a plane that had no engines. I mean, like, you know, how can you, how can you, how can you, um, criticize a pilot for that? Like, I don't know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, they always try and find a mistake of the pilot to blame the pilot. It's. Sometimes it's, it's hard for me to, I mean, I always, I always point the finger at the directors when it comes to great movies, you know. Yeah. Um, Sometimes, sometimes with with actors and actors, I find it a little bit hard to judge in a way. Yes. Because the medium is so complex, and of course, you need to compare with all the other films that come out at the time to you know justify wanting them to be nominated for whatever it is. But I think for the first time in a long time, I saw a film recently where I did see an actor whose performance was was to me was so upstanding it kind of made the film. Mm-hmm. And again. Not, 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 not an actor, uh, stroke actress who you would expect to to be good. Yeah. But um, Gillian Anderson. Ah. She was in uh, Vice Vice's house, which was a uh, um, Grinda Chara, I think her name is. The, oh, right. she, um It's a film about partition uh, in India. Oh, right, yeah. She plays uh, Lord Mountbatten's wife, and honestly, she was she was fantastic. She she puts on the accent. You know that kind of empire, mm-hmm. that, would have, that sort of uh, aristocratic accent that would have existed at that time, and I just thought she got it down to a T. She was, she was wow. Yeah. Uh, she was obviously good in X Files, and like, um, she's actually been referenced on the show before because um, we had a guy called Mark Steon who wrote a film called Robot Overlord, which um, you can get on DVD. I think it might be on Netflix or Amazon or something. Um, and it was a sci-fi film made in Britain, and um. Ben Kinsley play Ben Kinsley plays the bad guy in it, and uh, Gillian Anderson's like the like sort of heroine, and it's about robots taking over the world basically. Um, and uh, it's funny because um, Mark Day talked about because he obviously wrote the thing. Was he talked? I remember he talked about this on the podcast. I think where I think I'm right in saying because again it has a nice segue to mental health stuff because I know she's had mental health issues before. Um, and I think he said that, like, one of the things that was a, an advantage was that she kind of was having a lull in her career at the time. Because um, it was sort of, I don't know, maybe a few years ago now, but... Um, wasn't she, she typecast as well after X-Files? Like, I, think she, I think it's weird, isn't it? Because it's funny you said that, because that's, that's what I was leading on to, is that I was just thinking as you said that, you think of X-Files, right? And you think, usually, from what I can tell... Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Might 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 lead to a bigger discussion. But you would have thought David Duchovny would have had a harder time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, I don't know whether you agree with this, but I just thought if you watch X Files, the '90s version, I would have thought David Duchovny would have had a much harder time getting getting off his character and doing something else. Yet his career has like went from strength to strength, and hers is kind of like ebbed and, fl- and flowed, which obviously. A lot more actors, a lot more actors ebb and flow than have than are well known. So you know, it's, yeah. it's not that she's like, it's not like she's doing a bad thing. But I'm just saying, you know, he's ob- he went on to do obviously Californication. He was in Evolution from off the top of my head, and 
Um, uh, he was in um, Zoolander. Played the guy with the who used to be a hand model. Just <laughs> the best scene in the first one. Um, and um, you know, he was just in a bunch of things. And yeah, and she kind of just like you know did little bits and pieces, and then kind of just took some time. But as I said, I'm pretty certain it's down to that she had, you know, struggling years. Um, not 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 that she wasn't talented. It was just I'm pretty certain she had a period of time where she wasn't doing so well. Okay. But um. But no, she, I'm I'm pleased to hear that though. I I do think she's talented though. No, I recommend it as well. Mm. Um, well, to finish my thought about change then, then as another comparison. So, because um, as you said, so as we were saying, like Angelina Jolie, I've not seen her in anything, even like our early stuff, like not that um, not yeah. that great. I I can't name one. You know, I, I'm trying to rack my brain thinking of one good film she was ever in. Um, um, Lester, what are you doing? Stop it. Um, just, I think he's like he's like eating my laptop case or something. Stop it. Um, this has been like an ongoing thread. It's like this is like old school geek apocalypse when around people's houses and cats are like jumping over the microphones and stuff like that. Um, but anywho, um, yeah. So Changeling was a real life sto- real life story, which is typical Clint Eastwood because like it's not it's always like a not a well known story, and it was in a small town in America in the sixties, I believe. And it's a true story about this girl, about this woman, who um, she she runs the switchboards. You know, like remember when <laughs> I feel like I'm a granddad right now. Do you remember kids when it was just switchboards and you couldn't, you didn't actually own a phone? You know, like when they used to do switchboards and like women used to, <laughs> women used to like. I'm, I know this sounds ridiculous, but there's like people. There'll be there'll be people under twenty listening to this going, "What the hell's granddad on about?" Uh, there used to be a what's dial up. Uh, and I'm talking this is before dial up is they used to have a bunch of switchboards where all the phone calls would go into one area and then they would switch it to whoever needed the call and there'd only be a certain number of like uh, phones in a town like there might just be a phone box somewhere you know basically so they would all do it through wires that would be controlled by humans so um, this in in this true story uh, Angelina Jolie plays this woman who runs the this this switchboard thing and she has a son and she's a single mother and she it's been a while since i've seen it but something along the lines of she gets someone to babysit her son and then her son disappears and it then cuts to she thinks she's lost him because no one knows what happens and the police are a bit corrupt and they go we've looked for your son we can't find him and and then a few months go by and she's clearly devastated by it or maybe I don't know like time goes by I don't know if it's months but like some time goes by in the film and you can tell like she does some really serious acting because she like cries and she does petitions and she won't give up you know people are saying you need to let it go he's gone and like but there's no like body or no evidence that he's ever went anywhere and she's like so she thinks he's been like sort of abducted and then and this is completely true because Clint Eastwood talks about this and the it then cuts to she gets a call, or the police get a call going, they found your son, he's on a train back into town. And so she goes to the train station, and the son comes off and goes, hi ma'am, and it's not her son. Okay. And yet, he's pretending to be her son. And so she's like, everyone thinks she's like having traumatic, like, which you'll appreciate, because co- you'll, you'll maybe um, like it on another level to me, because... They then say that she thinks that she's suffering like from traumatic disorder or something, 
because they go, it might be your son. Like, you're like, how do you know it's not your son? And there's people like trying to convince her that it is. And yet, so what she goes and does, that she takes her back and sort of then bathes them and like pretends it's his son and she sort of tries to think it might be. And it sounds all crazy, but the fact that it's true makes it fascinating. And then she puts them up against the wall and she has chalk marks because at the beginning of the film, there's chalk, she puts chalk marks to see how much a child's grown because he's about like seven or eight or something. She puts the son, the, the son that's been claimed to be hers and says that I'm your son. She puts him up against the wall and he's smaller than the last chalk mark she did. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and she starts flipping out. And there's all these people and she goes to the police who say, you know, you don't know what you're talking about and stuff. And there's loads of twists, loads. I can't really say anymore because it ruins the story. But it then, like, so it goes from, like, the first, like, 30 minutes of the film is all, like, learning to get to know these people and it's quite slow. It's a typical Clint Eastwood film. And then it just completely derails and, like, our life goes completely upside down. And she gets like sectioned at one point, and um, because she's like no one believes her, and then like it takes another twist, and then it, there's another twist at the end, and and it's the fact that it's true just makes it even better. And honestly, like Angelina Jolie and that, like it's not she she doesn't she doesn't mess about. Like it's a ridiculously good performance, and I remember I couldn't remember who won won the Oscar that year, but I actually like you know the next night after because it's on like super late as I woke up the next day going I hope she's won and I actually went to the trouble to check in who'd won uh, that year and I just thought it was a complete joke that she didn't win for that because it was a ridiculously good film and I was shocked at how good her acting was because <laughs> I was I, 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 when I when I heard she'd been cast in a Clint Eastman film I'm going wow she must have done a good audition because you know I don't like dislike her and I think it sounds like I'm really like giving her a bad time like some of the films she was in was okay Tomb Raider wasn't terrible, but I mean, I'm saying it's not exactly, you know, it's not exactly like a, 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 a like a classic, you know what I mean? Like, she's not really anything where you go, wow, that's amazing. But it, that's definitely up there. Um, just just going off the, the, the description of the film, yes, it reminds me of two films I've seen which are similar premises. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen The Stranger Within? I, I have not. It's it stars that last one of the Charlie's Angels. I forget her name, but uh, uh, I can tell you, Drew Barrymore. Um, no, no, no. C- the, Cameron the, Diaz, Lucy Liu. The seventies. Oh, the seventies version. Oh God, okay. I'm referring uh, to the remake. Anyway, her son, her son went missing as a as a as a, as, as a kid, and it was she, she struggled to get on in life, but eventually she did, and then all of a sudden her son comes back. I can't remember whether it's. I think it might be. I'm googling it, so don't worry. <laughs> testing, I'm testing Ricky's knowledge. <laughs> it's a bit of a horror, is it? Yeah, but it was interesting. Oh wow! I remember talking about it at school with friends, and they were saying it was the most scariest film. Are ever you referring like it hasn't been remade, is it? Because it this says it's, it was nineteen nineteen seventy four. No, it wasn't that old. I think it was. Oh yeah, it might have been remade then. Yeah, she made it after Charlie's Angels, well, well after. I think. What was her name? Do you remember her name? Um, well, the woman yeah. in this is called Barbara Eden, but I don't know if she was in Charlie. Google. Uh, I don't know. Let's see if I can find any like. Uh, Kate, Kate Jackson. All oh, right. I used to see. I, I, you know, this for yeah. for something so iconic. I don't think I've seen one episode of Charlie's Angels. The only thing I know about it is that they say she says "Hello, Angels" at the beginning because um, that's the literally. Eric, 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 the, Eric. Yes, that's what we. Uh, that's that's what I was referring to when uh, he sends that script and he goes. 
And like, oh, he reads it and he's like, uh, Eric, we're going to get sued for copyright. <laughs> he goes, why? It's nothing to do with anything. And he goes, well, I'll just read the first line. Hello, angels. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I took some infor- inspiration. He's like, inspiration? You copied and pasted. Uh, but, uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, Wikipedia has been annoying. It usually says, oh, there you go. 1990. That's the film you're on about. Yeah, I've got it up now as well. Yeah. Oh, it's a TV film, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the last one was as well. Kate Jackson, did you say, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I've not seen that, no. So his son sort of, yeah, he disappeared as a three-year-old and comes back as like a teenager, but... Well, that, yeah, that's really similar then. That's a very similar premise, yeah. Actually, it's made me of an, made me think of another um, film, true story you might be interested in. But um, the other film was uh, Flight Plan, Jodie Foster, do you remember she... Ah, I know Flight Plan, yeah. The Plane. Yes. And they check the manifest and, and, and say, no, no, your, your daughter didn't check. And then, so then, Jodie's character actually contemplates, am I crazy then? Because yeah. I definitely bought this plane with my daughter. And <laughs> yeah, sort of psychological thrillers are quite good. Like, you know, uh, I like, I like watching them type of things. Because as I say, some of the stuff that happens to Angelina Jolie's character and Change, and it's quite hard to watch. I think, I think, um, I rewatch, oh yeah, I remember rewatching it over the over our Christmas holidays because I recommended it to my family, and I think I must have just bought the DVD. And I remember like going, oh, "I'll watch it again" because I really liked it. And like there were bits like because my auntie Linda is a bit, um, you know, she's like a lot of like looking away. She looks away if there's a sex scene, and <laughs> you know that kind of thing. She's very old school in that sense. And uh, there's bits. Do you remember? Goodness gracious me! <laughs> Yeah, they did a brilliant scene that, and it was, and it's true. You know yeah. when you all sit down for dinner in front of the TV, and mm-hmm. then some sex scene comes on, and you're all embarrassed. Yes, yeah. so everyone just turns to each other and just like changes the subject and speaks like really loudly to drown out all the moans and stuff. No, no, yeah. My my mom, uh, <laughs> you, you're just making me laugh because you reminded me of what my mom used to like start a conversation and try and make the conversation louder as if it wasn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be like, yeah, she'd be mad and be like, so what you got, like, as the, like, you hear in there, oh, oh, and my mom's like, so what you got planned, like, later this year? <laughs> it was the funniest thing. I remember, like, when I was, like, really, really young, and I used to always think it was, I obviously think it's weird now, because I'm very, like, you know, I, you know, I'm quite an open-minded person, like, you know, I don't mind talking about anything, really, and I think, you know, sex is part of people's lives. It's just the, 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 the sheer, because, I mean, but it, I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before, but my mom's very religious-minded, and my dad's a bit closeted in that sense. So I, I remember, like, whenever any oh, naughty... yeah. is your mom a practicing Christian? Though? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, she goes to church all the time and stuff like that, and she's uh, got a, she's got a, um, yeah, she goes to church and stuff, and she, um, although I will say this on this podcast, I wouldn't have said it on mentally sound, right? But I just thought this is just an interesting sentence to say. We don't have to go into too much detail about it. But um, the funniest thing um, when my auntie, um, when, my aunt, when we went to see my auntie, and we clearly knew it was going to be the last weekend she was going to be alive, um, I, I was I was looking like in an observational sense the way people were dealing with it, and like my sister was quite like. You know, trying to keep the conversation relatively normal because Manny was like, you know, on, you know, sedated and she wasn't talking. Um, so I mean, my sister was like kind of talking and we're catching up with my aunties and uncles, um, because there was a whole bunch of us there. And I was trying to just like sort of catch up with things. I showed some pictures of Lister because some of my family haven't seen him. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, and then you look in the corner, and the two religious people, like religious as in they believe they're going to go to a better after, like an afterlife and stuff, was my mom and my auntie, who were crying their eyes out and couldn't deal with the fact that this was happening, and I just thought, isn't that fascinating? That you would have thought. This is just my two cents and my opinion on that. Because if you're an atheist, because I have, I am, uh, even though I don't really like to label it, I'm, I'm a nothingist, really. I don't believe in anything. Is um, is that you? I'm, I'm terrified of dying. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't have an answer as to what happens because there's not any evidence. So my, my intelligence is can't believe in a god when I don't think there is one. It would be nice to believe one, but I just don't have the ability to be ignorant enough to think there is. That's just my view. I'm not not degrading anyone who does believe in it. But I'm just saying, isn't it fascinating that you would have thought the people who would be religious thinking she's going to a better place would be much more comfortable with the idea, and yet they're the ones who can't deal with what's happening? And I'm like, isn't that a fascinating thing? That the two people who couldn't deal with it at all were the ones that <laughs> believe that she wasn't, she was going to a better place. Like, I just thought that was such a, a fascinating observation. That, um, but anywho, um, I don't know why I thought of that. It's just, it was just, um, I, I, it just, oh uh, yeah, but you said about the religious thing about my mum. So, um, yeah, my mum's very, um, alright, I just wonder what list does. got, I thought like, is Lister eating the Hoover? He's got a tennis ball. It's like, I get the point, Lister, you want us to, <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, my mom's as yeah, so we're talking about sex, so yeah, my mom's um, quite religious, and um, you know, to the point of she had several years when I was growing up where she was like devastated that me and my siblings didn't believe in God. There was like a period of time where she really resented the fact that she almost felt like she'd let God down <laughs> in converting us because we all kind of just rebelled against it because we all went to Sunday school like and we had to go and. So yeah, I think that was kind of the thing, is because I never had the talk with my mum, <laughs> the talk about sex and yeah, whatnot. Uh, me, me sister did eventually, because my sister's much more like you know you can talk about her a lot, talk to her about a lot of things, and she's much more open about it. And she rebelled, she rebelled probably more than me and my brother, um, and yeah. in, in that sense. She was very sort of rebellious, but I guess you know she was older than us, and so I think she kind of got influenced by like punk and punk and stuff. So, um, so anyway, so um, so yeah, so um, uh, so so that was basically that that was just always funny. There's a point that why we got onto this was that yeah, if any if any sort of you know, I remember when me mom and dad went got recommended Basic Instinct, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which is like oh, my, I think of ours was like oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I can't remember. Um, I mean, it's because my family are so weird and they're so they're all different, you know. So you know, as I said, if you ever saw my sister, my sister's more like me. So my my sister wouldn't care. in Asian families. I mean, yeah, that's why that's why you you it'd be good to you to see that um sketch by goodness gracious me because like they're all eating food and yeah, when it, when a scene comes on, it's like. So this this doll is really fantastic. How did you make it? And it, it turns into conversation about the recipe just to drown out the sex and stuff. So I know, yeah, it's so funny. I know it's ridiculously funny. Um, it's just uh, yeah, as you said though, it's it's like sort of cultures and it's just all generations and people's sort of attitudes, um, attitudes about things. Um, is just way different. Um, 
it's different in every, in every in different in other people's cultures and as and as as if religion's involved um it always makes things um you know because we often it's funny because I, I always wanted to make this point on mentally sound is that you know how we always like sort of preach that mental health should be on a par with sex education yet i always felt like i was behind the eight ball because my parents were so closeted about that so um i do think it's also down to the people that you spend time around like their sort of attitudes to it especially your parents is that i just think in a nutshell it should be that we're all open-minded about everything because it does lead to it does lead to you know um having awkward years and and feeling uncomfortable about asking questions essentially um because you do you you do eventually all lead to the same point it's just how quickly you get there um so anywho um, my dog's getting agitated, so I think we need to wrap this up. <laughs> He's like really wanting. <laughs> Anywho, um, so huge. Uh, anything you want to add before we wrap this up, Ricky? And we'll do this again at some point uh, soon. Um, oh, it, was, it was good. It was really fun. Yeah. In a while, wasn't it? Yeah, it felt very relaxed. Um, and like yeah. I said, um, we were talking about like the begin to wrap it up to go back to the original point of the conversation. Um, was I think mentally sound wise. And uh, just so Ricky knows, I've I'm, I've decided I'm going to do like an update podcast before I release this one, and because uh, that's deliberately why I haven't brought up like you know what's happened to me over the last few months, because I'm just thinking I'll do an update version. So basically, the reason I wanted to do that is if people want to know, they can listen to that episode, and if they don't want to listen to it, they can just listen to this. Um, I think that to me makes a great deal of sense. Um, so that's what I'm going to do is just put like a half an hour episode together or something, not even whatever, however long it takes to go through it. It's just to say why there's been a delay. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, um, and it's just, I, the other thing I was thinking about was, um, the, that, um, it is the first time, like, um, I've done a podcast, I think, at home with Lister being awake. Which is going to be interesting because from now on, I didn't didn't think when you get a dog that you're going to like be distracted. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing now? But he's fine. It's because um, the time that we're doing this is time where he needs his last food, so he's getting a bit agitated because he knows it's food time. So anyway, but he's adorable. Um, but yeah, and as I said, we keep meaning to do that on mentally sound. So at some point, I should talk about the benefit of of animals to mental health because it certainly helps. He's been like a huge help. Like when I got back on Friday after the the stressful. I felt very stressed that day, as you know, and um, after talking through it with you, it helped obviously. And um, and then when I got back, just you know, he was super happy to see me because I obviously when I do mentally sound, I'm gone from the house for quite a while, and um, he was just super affectionate. And you know, like, it makes a huge, huge difference. Um, so it's well, can I just just a quick yeah, quick yeah, quick. go ahead. You know, in my life, um, I've just had a recent like nephew. Um, yes, that, oh yes, do say that, yeah. And um, I've. I've, I've I've sort of like a couple of friends have seen me with him, and also a couple of friends on Skype, and they all they all and even just pictures. I mean, I haven't shared any pictures with it yet. I'm I'm going to soon because when you have, when you have when there's a new kid in the family, I think you just want that first sort of two three weeks for you know for him to be reassured that the baby's healthy and everything before you kind of announce it and sort of tell people. So. And, but when I've shown pictures and, and when they've seen footage of me, they all say, God, you look really happy with him. Aww. It's like you, your face glows and stuff. And I, and I think it is similar to what you're saying with Lister in a way. That, hmm. that, 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 
be it babies, be it sort of pets. You it's, know, it, it's, it's, I think I, when we talked about this on Friday, when you made that really good point about that they put things into perspective, like your nephews do, like, or, like offspring, is that, as I said, like when the whole situation with my auntie, where I got in the car and my nephew was there with my brother-in-law, and we talked about Overwatch, oh, yeah. the video, yeah, I remember, I was telling him this on Friday, and I'm, I, it, it, I, I thought about it afterwards, and I think, like, t- the, the way to summarize what you just said is, it's just innocence. It's like, cause you come home, the dog, dogs, dogs treat you the same way regardless how you feel. Um, it's and, like un- unconditional love. Isn't yes, it? exactly, yeah. So, and, like, kids, like, especially if they don't really 100% know what's going on, which my nephew didn't, he knew that it was not a good situation. But he doesn't have the, the, the ability, and in some cases maybe it's a blessing for him, is that, um, he doesn't have the ability to kind of process how difficult it is, and, you know, he didn't have to do what we were doing, like, he was there, but he wasn't there, if you see what I mean, like, he took, he did the trip, but he didn't do the, he didn't, like, finish the journey, um, you know, and he didn't have this, and obviously, he, you know, my, our, my auntie wasn't in his life nearly as much as everyone else, uh, everyone else that was there, so it was just like a, it was just a really difficult thing that it was put into perspective by like it's the sort of thing of like it's cliched and it isn't um disrespectful to say this but like it reminds you that like your your life has to go on and you acknowledge that it's happening and you don't forget the people that you lose but like you have to have the mindset of that it's part of it's part of the deal um and um that's given me some comfort, like, and so in a way, he, without him, he, and I think the beautiful thing of it, and maybe you can say, talk about it from your point of view, like, my nephew has no idea how much he helped me that day, um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about it, is it, he was just being himself, and he, because if he wasn't there, and my sister was talking to my brother-in-law, who's obviously her husband, and I was in the back without, minus, my, minus Sam, my nephew, then I wouldn't have had anyone really to talk to, and I probably would have processed what had just happened. Um, it was similar when my, my friend John died. Like I, ha- we did, I had a car trip with my other friend who knew John, um, Norman, and just talking to him about what we just witnessed helped the process immensely. And so it goes back to what we said on Mentally Sound right at the beginning on Friday. Anyone who says support and going through something as a as a group doesn't understand what it's really like to have people like around you it's like it so makes things easier and um yeah it's like support's like a really super important thing so if anyone's listening to this who doesn't have support i'm i i I feel really sad for you and i hope like anyone who's feeling like down or whatever like listening to this podcast i'm hoping is part of the process to realize like you know that it's not um like as I said, I guess the the best way of summarizing it, life goes on, and like um, you just got to do the best you can, essentially. Um, You're right. Yeah. I think we should do more into like things like pet therapy because I've I've talked to quite a few vulnerable people who explained to me just how beneficial it is to have their their dog or their cat or whatever it is that you know close by when they're going through tough times and, and having mm-hmm. that unconditional love. Yeah. Um, you know. It's unfair when when people criticise um, people when you should well should you have should you have two cats or should you have two dogs when you're vulnerable or on benefits or anything and I, and I just say well they just they just don't know just how vital these could be the very things that maybe keep it's not always 
um, easy to put things in priority when you need. If you don't have that network around you, then mm-hmm. like it, my friend who had the bike crash said recently that you know if it wasn't for her network, she wouldn't have got through. What she, mm. cause she, she's on the men, she's doing well. But it just makes you think of people who don't have that support network, who people who've had you know accidents or are disabled or who don't have anything around them, and and you know it's just you mm. just. I know, it. like I mean, to, I think to summarize, because obviously, like you know. As I say, certain things that have happened to me recently are still fresh in my mind. Like, I mean, my me me um me auntie's funerals uh, this Thursday, so it's um so. But to to reiterate, like, to show how important support is and how like imperative it is and how essential it is, is that I I've had moments where I've found things incredibly difficult, but I've got through it because of the support. And I think what reinforces that you're grateful is that, like, you were just saying such a great point is that imagine if the support isn't there and that's what I find myself saying is that I, I felt very supported during this time like from yourself and you know like my my, my my network of close people like there wasn't one person who'd like who I wanted to talk like not that I'm like just to clarify I don't mean like my friends have to do it it's that I didn't even have to ask them it was just people were like how are you doing heard what happened like you know do you need anything and and like general like you know when people just say that you know in like a facebook post and they don't you know you know for a fact that that just is a facebook post they're not meaning oh actually i'm going to ring them up and can i come round? you know that kind of thing it's just like i felt like if i i felt like i could deal with it in my own way but if i was struggling and there were people there for me and like that's that's really hard to find and it made me sort of realize i should be grateful for that because i've had periods in my life when that's not been there and as you just said like there'll be people out there who don't have that i think that's um, what's propelled my activism of late that yeah back into a little bit where you know i'm working with psychology against austerity for example yeah yeah you know and we'll talk more about that in. The yeah yeah we will do but like uh, that's a really good point we probably should talk about that nest ne- mentally sound as well because um you know, it's funny you said that. I think it, on the back of you saying that, because um, I thought that was a really good point. I, you've said that to me before. Um, because I'm sure you asked me, like, or at least I've been asked by other people before, like, what motivates you to be open about mental health? Because you do get the criticism of why be open about it. You know, like, who are you? Kind, You know, people who go, like, who are you? And that, to me, I just think it's people who are afraid of talking about it because they haven't got up there. They haven't reached the point of being open about it like so they criticize people because they want to be where they, where you are if you see what i mean it's a, it's a, that's how i view people who have that approach um but yeah um the thing that motivates me to talk about my situation and to do something about it and, and to keep doing mentally sound and stuff and, and and talking openly about mental health and stuff like that is um i think about the situation i was in or at least have been in my life where i'm sitting there in a in a bedroom feeling that there's nobody in the world that would care that i'm not here um and i just think of what it right now there'll be a person somewhere not just by i I used to say with bipolar disorder but i care enough about human beings that i I would say that about any problem that anyone has i don't care what it is really it's just to be someone in the world right now who's sitting in a bedroom and maybe listening to this podcast who feels like no one gives a shit about whether they're alive or not and that just I don't like knowing, I, I don't like, I, that doesn't sit with me very well, and if there's a way that I could, like, that's one of the reasons I think people do entertainment shows, I would like to think. Um, 
you know, people do entertainment shows is that like they're in a situation. I remember like when um, John Cleese said this. I think it's a good, good, good um, example to wrap things up with is to say John Cleese, who I admire greatly. He wrote Faulty Towers and Monty Python. I'm sure even Americans probably know who they who he is. Um, and he said the greatest um, compliment he ever received about his work was he met Charlie, Charlie Chaplin's widow. Okay. And um, uh, she said that when Charlie died, she could not get over the grief and she just didn't know how to live and she was, I guess, sort of implying she was suicidal and all kinds of things and just like had the black cloud of depression over her and and uh, John Cleese said the greatest compliment he ever received which you think is more valuable than anything she said the one thing that made her laugh was Faulty Towers yeah. and um, and he just said wow I don't there's there's, there's nothing he, he just said it was his interview he did with Dawn French it was that thing uh, Boys Do Comedy that was on BBC, oh, BBC yeah. 3 I liked that series it was good it was interesting um, and and Mum did similar. Me and Mum watched a lot of comedy and stuff. Yeah. We watched a lot of Michael Palin. Yeah. Um, not just his comedy, but his travel shows especially. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, to, to get you know to get by with the grief of losing dad at that time. So. Yeah. And I know there's some people who go, and I just think they're missing the point. I've heard some people who talk about grief. I've read articles about people saying this, and I think it's just missing the point. Is that some people refuse to watch things that are funny and comedy stuff when they've lost somebody because they feel it's disrespecting like the memory of the person they've lost. Yeah. And I'm like, you're gonna grieve regardless. Like it doesn't mean that I don't think about what's happened. And it, there's nothing wrong with making yourself reach a point where you can deal with it, you know. But you shouldn't like sort of wallow in sort of the pity and the self pityness of it. Because I think that's dangerous. It's not wrong, but it's dangerous if like I mean, it's affecting I your life said, to the point that you can't you function. Show, Sorry, I said I said to you on the show that death still freaks me out, and, and yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I, one of my favorite um, enthusiasm episodes is is one where they deal with death and they make they make, they make it into a funny situation. I don't know if you've seen. It. I think it's the is it uh, is the episode called Nine Nine or Seven Nine or something? Is when Mm-hmm. When, when he's actually going to get buried, buried with one of Larry's uh, favorite golf clubs that he lent him like year, years ago. So him and Jeff work out a plan as to how to retrieve the 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 the, the golf club from the from from the body that's lying in the casket, and and they're just it's just brilliant. It's just <laughs> laugh out loud comedy, and because and because they're. Um, Larry's gone through. He, he was eating a, a packet of cashew nuts at the same time. When they found out that the the, the clubs got swapped, we also found a, a cashew nut in the coffin. So then the finger pointed to, to Larry because he he was going around people saying, "Do you fancy cashew?" And they know it was him. So <laughs> it was genial. It was it was brilliant. Fair enough. No, no. I mean, um, it was like um, I watched a bit of Faulty. T- I've watched Faulty Towers a couple of times recently, and um. Because it is all that's also on Netflix in the UK. Yeah, it's also been shown on Yesterday Channel, and I've been part of me is like, well, I've seen this before. Do I really need to watch it? It's so channel? good, though. I and mean, I sit down and, and I'm laughing again. I know. I, I think that I go, why am I watching this? I mean, it's like nearly. Yeah. It's like I don't mean that as in why am I watching it as in I'm like I've I've seen it like a hundred times, yeah. and yet. I you know, and it's you like 50 other, years old. You guess you, you notice other things that you didn't notice. Before. I know it's well as he points out though. Um, 
that there was something he said about I think it was on like the special edition Fault Yeah, the DVD which I have. Is he says um is he says that the difference now between now and T V to then is he had six weeks to write every episode. So there's only twelve episodes of Faulty Towers, so there's the two seasons. And they get six weeks to write an episode and you said now even in British TV that as you said earlier is six episodes a season, they don't even get ten days. You know, six weeks is six weeks is one and a half months. You know, so one and a half months to write one episode, and, and he's like, "No wonder it's bloody good," because they had time to work on it. <laughs> the second series, especially the, him and Connie Booth are writing them, writing it whilst they were going through a divorce. I know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> actually, I think it was. I think they got divorced before it started. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, write, writing it whilst they were. Still oh, right, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. They would have been writing it as yeah. Sorry, yeah, you're right. I thought you meant when you felt they were as they were filming it. I think they were divorced, but um. But they, but um, as he points out, though they 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 amicably divorced. Divorced. It wasn't like um, it wasn't like his last wife he had, who was f- absolutely the fucking spawn of Satan. <laughs> he had to pay her like eighteen million over the next ten years. And it was like well, fucking ridiculous. That's why, he, that's why he went on tour, didn't it? Yeah, the pay for the alimony tour, whatever it was called. <laughs> and he says, "I'm not, I'm not joking." <laughs> and it was it was a gag at the the Monty Python reunion they did. Was it a couple of years back at the? Yeah, show? yeah. Well, they said it's definitely the last one. Unless yeah. John gets another. Yeah, that was brilliant, yeah. Because he said, oh, that's definitely the last reunion because we're sick of doing this. And they went, yeah, unless John needs the money. <laughs> it's funny that. No, but, I mean, he mentioned it on... I wish I'd done to that, you know. But... I know, but I imagine it would. Do it not cost a fortune? I'm assuming it would have done. Yeah. Uh, it was like I was watching this um, MBA. Uh, it was a, an MBA clip of, like, a debate show, and it was an old clip I was watching. It's about like a legendary NBA player, and he was called Kobe Bryant. I don't know if you know that guy's name, but he's yeah. like a legendary basketball player. He only retired a couple of seasons ago. Was he's last... in that ad with Messi, was it? Turkey? Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, um, one of the like twenty ten, or possibly the one of the most top ten players ever. Um, and the last couple of seasons, he was really struggling, and so he announced his like retirement at the end of the season. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think. What was this in relation to? I've just lost my train of thought. Um, um what, they, what, like, um, what were we talking about before that? Was it Kobe Bryant? Well, was that? that was um, what, what, uh, annulments and marriages. I forgot the train of thought now. So what was I mentioning about Kobe Bryant? Um, uh, some sort of old clip or something, but I can't quite remember. And um, uh. Damn it! I've, I've lost, completely lost my train of thought. Which is a good, good, good point to realise we've been talking too long because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, right? Um. Anyway, when when I think of that in like two hours later, I'll mention it on the next podcast we do and go. I oh, remember that thing I was talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Typical us. Anyway, um. Cool. Well, um. As as I will be saying in the updated podcast that I'll put before this, just thank you to everybody for their patience. In me not putting this up, as I said, majority of the reason is because of the laptop. Um, in particular for Geek, um, that I've l- had not had my laptop for a good part of about five weeks, so which is not fun. So we haven't really had a chance at all to even record anything. So it's not a case of that I've not wanted to; it's just I'm not able to. Um, so hopefully we'll get back into the swing of things. I've got a plan to book a couple of guests soon, so I'm going to try and catch up with the two and a half months I've missed. 
Um, so I'm sure I mean Ricky will do another one soon uh, as well, um, just to kind of catch up on things. Um, and as I'm as we mentioned earlier, because um, as we were talking about at the beginning, mentally sounds like really coming on leaps and bounds in our opinion. Um, and we do it on a, a FM radio station, so the quality is pretty good. We've got some really big, big ideas for mentally sound. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think like this is one of the reasons why I think like it's a good cross promotion. Um, because I think I, I I was actually thinking about this the other day, thinking there were people when I when I mentioned I did mentally sound way back when to some guests on here. Um, that they said they were willing to come on, like Gunnar Gunnar Roxon, who's a sci-fi writer. He, I mentioned that to him off air once that I said, "Oh, I'm about to do a mental, mentally sound, sh- uh, mental health show," and he's had mental health problems, and he said I'd be more than willing to ring in because he's from Sweden, so, okay. um, so maybe we can get him on or something. Because um, yeah. I thought I actually thought as well it might be a good idea because I'm sure I'd be more than willing to be a guinea pig. Is maybe we can go into the studio and get him to ring uh, from Sweden at some point um, and try and see if we can figure out how the phone stuff works. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that's something I really want to get right um, in future stuff. But as I said, it's um, we don't need to rush things. It's like one step at a time. Um, but uh, no, yeah, he's right though. Uh, Ricky's right, and we've had some really good guests on that anyway. Like you know, particularly in the northeast of England, um, you know, some good important people in the mental health section. So our plan is to you know expand it and keep it going but um it's a really good location and a really good studio so as i said the the last we've just released like the last five episodes in once because of my circumstance like i just explained um but in particular i think the last two episodes we did in particular the one we did on friday which should be released very soon and the one we did last month in particular was really 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 good so if you're interested about the mental health stuff that we just talked about that's a good uh, a good indication because it's live as well so you'll see the difference in how we talk to each other it's a lot more laid back because um, uh, that's one of the things I notice when we do that is it's very much like kind of the, the speed of it's a lot quicker <laughs> it's very much like what's next what's next <laughs> well there you go right anything you want to say Ricky before I wrap up pretty much covers it I think oh, nope. be again and no noise yeah at uh, food Ricky on the tweets at uh, geek underscore apocalypse for my good self um, our next uh, mentally sound is the 14th, I think, was it? You said the 14th of October? Uh, fr- Friday the 13th. 13th, that's it. Oh, yes, because you said the whole horror thing, yeah. Um, and as I said, the next one of this is probably going to be another one of these. And then I know Hannah has declared an interest who was on the, uh, the mentally sound from last month to do one with her because um, she was, that was an interesting interview. As they are, try and get some booked guests is the thing. Try and get back in the swing of things. Um, but okay, uh, huge thank you to everyone who's listened to this podcast. Obviously, if you you liked it, obviously I encourage you to listen to the other ones, uh, the whole hundred and fifty odd of them. Um, and uh, please do consider subscribing to us on iTunes so you'll get the latest episodes before anybody else. Um, and huge thank you for just the patience, like I said earlier. And I'll end the podcast like I always end. In the words of the great B-movie B- robot, Josh Crash and Burn. And we'll see you very soon for another edition of the Geek Parks Podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye.